Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Luca Beaufort, discovered skateboarding at a young age and fell deeply in love with it. While working as the advertising manager of French skate and surf magazine Desillusion for a few years, Lucas developed a strong interest for art, and today his drawings are everywhere in the skateboarding world. From magazine covers to skate decks to luxury hotel lounges and more recently on the walls surrounding the Tampa Pro Contest. He also just released a book called Heart, a tribute to skate shops around the world, as they are the backbone of skateboarding culture. So here's my conversation with Luca Beaufort, I hope you'll enjoy it. very much Luca for taking some time to chat with me really appreciate it I'm a big big fan of your work super stoked to have you on the podcast and to uh, get to talk with you a little bit about everything you do I'm gonna try not to keep you for too long I know you're a busy man so I, I usually start my um, interviews as you know uh, with just a guest introducing himself or herself uh, in a few words and telling me how they started skating. So can you just tell me a little bit about finding skateboarding and, and how you grew up and everything? I'm glad to be here, honestly, you know, I've been uh, listening to your different podcasts, so um, I'm familiar to it. I am Luca Beaufort. I'm a French dreamer. I love to say that because I'm inspired by it, you know. I spend my nights dreaming about my next project and dreaming about what's around me and what I would love to um, to achieve. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love to say I'm a dreamer, not just an artist, because Artist is so wide, you know. I think we are all artists in a way. Sure. People think that you are an artist because you paint or because you make a sculpture or you um, you're a comedian, whatever. Yep. I think in a way, we like the way we talk, the way we walk down the street, the way we look at things represent the idea of like being an artist. So mm -hmm, I think we are mm -hmm. all artists and I think I'm a dreamer. Okay. And you talk about like the how I got involved with skateboarding. Yeah. It all started at my young age. I don't really remember exactly, but I think I was like between five and seven. I grew up with my mom and my brother. I have a twin brother. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember that, yeah. And uh, she was like, uh, we went to this um, toy boutique where you can get whatever. And I saw the skateboard, plastic skateboard. And I was like, oh, I want this. Look like a big fish, big boat. Uh -huh. And uh, it was like a random thing. And my brother and I used to um, go down the hill, you know, with the, on, on our knees. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it was a perfect way to uh, kill our clothes all day long. <laughs> yeah. So it was much more about like having fun. And it's cool because that, uh, the, the first approach of skateboarding is having fun. Yeah. And the, the first feeling I had was like the idea of like rolling fast and getting down, you know, it was just so cool. And I have this memory of like living in Cannes because I grew up in the French Riviera. That's right. And I was like close to the sea. And before going to the to the beach, I was like, hey, mom, let's go skate a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really skateboarding. I was just like going down as fast as possible. Rolling around. Yeah, so that was my first uh, approach, yeah, pretty much. Were there a lot of skaters in Cannes uh, when you were growing up, or was it kind of a, a small scene? 
Man, it was like one of the best scenes ever. Honestly, I remember. So I tell you a little bit of my background. So between five and seven, I used to skate like every Sunday or Saturday. It wasn't, it was just like playing with a toy. And then my mom, she was like tired of me getting like dirty and like covered <laughs> with holes and like wasting our clothes. So she decided to take it away. And then like at the age of 13, I took it seriously and I was like, hey, mom, give my skateboard back. Mm -hmm. So um, that's when like I really like got into it, had a real like, I think it was an element uh, skateboard back then. Okay. And then I went to um, La Croisette. We call it the Trois Plats Quatre, Three Flat Four oh, was yeah. the spot. Uh -huh. And before going there, I was like, so my dad was living in Cannes and my mom, she was living like outside the city. And so my dad was living next to a sketch shop called LSD, L'Anglois Sport Distribution. And I went there and I was like, oh, where should I go to skate? Mm -hmm. And the guy there said, go to Trois Placards. It's crazy. You see the scene. And when I went there, I saw like 70, 80 people skate. It was kind of like going to Disneyland. <laughs> so it's yeah. just like what and it was kind of like jurassic park you know when you see the world yeah, yeah. and i i learned everything from this so every two weeks i was going to my dad's place in Cannes, and i was like spending my whole weekend at the spot you know like learning everything uh hanging with friends and making friends basically because they were all from Cannes and I was like just a little bit outside and uh, I was just like discovering everything. So it was the beginning of the enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you started skating. I was interested in knowing also when did art and drawing come into your life? Was it pretty much at the same age or did that interest develop later maybe? Or yeah, I was just curious to know how skateboarding and art kind of um, began in your life. Actually, art came very late. I'm sad to say that because I wish... I could have started before, but I started to paint at the age of, of 27, which oh, is like, okay. uh, yeah, very late. Before that, never used any pencil, never used any brush to paint anything. Mm. It was just random. When I started, it was just like, oh, I just want to express myself and like draw something that I have in my mind. When I started, I never thought to become an artist. I didn't know what it was, you know. What is it to be an artist? Yeah. I just like took a piece of paper and drew something on it. And it was at the same time of the Facebook, you know, that happened. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, I put a photo here and there. And out of the blue, somebody said, oh, is it for sale? I was like, who the fuck want to buy this, this piece of shit? <laughs> But I said, yeah, maybe. And then this guy bought the piece and I was like, the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I kept like putting some photos without knowing what is Facebook because at the very beginning, nobody knew what it was. It was just like super new. I was like getting new friends every day. I was like, oh shit, I have 4,000 friends now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then like a year later, maybe 10 months later, a guy approached me, said, do you want to make a show? I was like, yeah, tomorrow. And he was like, do you have like pieces ready? No. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can see that I was a super, uh, I was a beginner, you know, I didn't know nothing about it. So sure. uh, it was like, okay, take six months and like call me back when you're ready. So like six months later, I had my first show. And then, you know, it was like a, a snowball, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. It wasn't sure. like predicted, nothing. It was just random and it like became serious over the years. Okay. 
So you didn't draw at all when you were like growing up? It really developed later in your adult life? You weren't doing any like just sketches or whatever when you were a teenager or stuff like that? My brother was more into this. It's funny because my mom, she put my brother in uh, art school because she thought she he was gifted. But it was so... My brother, if he listens to this, I'm sure he's going to be... He's going to be like, oh, man, but my brother is so lazy, you know, he's lazy <laughs> because he was talented, like by drawing, but getting to do like your homeworks and reading stuff, books, it wasn't his thing. So after like six months, he quit oh, and I, I was just it, like seeing like what he was doing. But to be honest with you, I think that even if I started to draw very late, I was into this world for a long time since my young age. Because my dad used to collect art, so I was like surrounded by it. My dad used to take me to some galleries and say, hey, look at this. What do you think of that? And I was like always asking questions about different artists. And my okay. mom... She's an artist too. She paints a lot of landscapes like from Provence, you know, this yep. type of thing. And I was surrounded by it. My mom, she used to use like oil-based paintings, you know, and, and I was like, oh, mom, that's, you're, you're so talented. It's crazy. Uh, how did you learn this? Mm -hmm. And skateboarding as well. Like when I started, I was into like graphics. So I was like, I knew, you know, Sean Cliver and Todd Bradford, those artists that back then I was influenced by. Yeah. I would be down to buy some books and some posters and screen prints. So even if I wasn't drawing, I was into it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't practicing, but I was into like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, you were absorbing a lot of influences, which eventually kind of came out of you when you started uh, painting and, and drawing later. Yeah, and I, th and I think that's the reason why when I started, it came very fast because it was so intense inside me. So it's like getting like things for 20 years, like a book that you keep shut for 20 years and one day you open it. It's a fucking explosion. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And that, that's what happened to me. It's like opening the book. Like open the zoo, you know, open the zoo with all the, you know, super starving animals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Was there a specific moment where you kind of sat down in front of a piece of paper and started painting or drawing and, and kind of had this uh, realization? Or was it more a progressive uh, discovery of uh, all this uh, desire to express yourself through art? I think it was like, as I said, like a snowball, because I remember the first drawing was for a reason. Like the first drawing was for my brother. It was like Christmas time. And I was wondering what should I do for him? Should I go to a random shop and buy a T-shirt that will end up in a closet with tons of like all the, all the shit? Or mm -hmm. should I do something with my hand and something that it could have forever? And I decided to do that, put it on a frame. It was Christmas. My family was there. It was like, oh, wow, you, you draw. I was like, no, at all. It's just something for my brother. And, and then like my step parents, they were like, oh, that's amazing. Could you uh, make a canvas for us? I was like, are you mm -hmm. sure? And I did a canvas and this, the canvas ended up being on Facebook. So it was random, but it was like one person asked and another person asked something. And then I kept like drawing, but I had another life, you know, back then. I'm sure we will uh, get into this, but I had a job yeah. back then. So it was like, it was side project. You know, I wasn't making any money. It was just like, oh, that's fun. That's cool to just draw things and that's it. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to ask you, yeah, because I know that you worked for this magazine called the uh, Desillusion, Desillusion in France for about eight years, I believe. And you were like the advertising manager over there. I don't know if you were doing that for the, the whole length of the eight years or maybe it was just a portion of it. But yeah, I was just interested in knowing how, how did that opportunity start for you? And was that also like one of your very first jobs after you finished studying and stuff or... Yeah, it was. Actually, when I finished studying, I don't know what year, but I had like uh, Erasmus. You heard about Erasmus? Yeah, the program? like uh, an exchange program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it was like a EUT, you know, I did like a... I did a oh, yeah, um, yeah. Like a two-year degree? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, two-year degree. Then I did Erasmus in, uh, in Scotland. But oh, before nice. that, okay. I was uh, in high school with, um, with a bunch of friends and this guy... Sebastian, who used to uh, do the magazine. We were like a group of friends. So when I finished my school, this guy said, hey, do you want to work with me? And I knew they were, he was doing this. It was, uh, it was basically a, a zine with just mm -hmm. random shit, like with 20 pages inside. And uh, he was like, dude, do you want to come with me and work? Mm -hmm. And it was like, let's go. Because actually, you know, I, I just turned 40 and never like applied for a job. Never in my life. So it was... Just like uh, I had this guy saying, you want to come with me? And I didn't know what it was. It was just like, okay, mm -hmm. see you tomorrow. And I went to the office. It was just like almost like one computer for three people, you know? <laughs> okay. I think I learned a lot back then because when you're brand new with a zine, nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to work with you. Nobody cares about the zine because it was like full of full of like bad words. It was like sometimes like pictures stolen from Internet that it wasn't like in good quality. We didn't know about how to make a magazine, actually. And okay. that's, the, that's the beauty of it, because when you learn everything from scratch, it's not like you get hired by somebody that is already successful. When you do that, it's like you're comfortable. You just like use a big file of like names and emails and you just like resend contracts. No, you built everything. And it was like, dude, you're going to sell ads mm -hmm. and be the money maker. And I was like, okay, for sure, let's go. And he sent me like uh, some phone numbers. And I remember like starting like calling people and nobody wanted to work with us. We were like the black sheep. It's just because mm -hmm. we know how it is, you know, in skateboarding. If you cheat with skateboarding or if you just not into this community, it's very hard to be uh, accepted. You know, it's very hard. Yeah, we, we used to say it's sure. a big family. We love people and etc. It's true. But to be accepted by the people, it's very hard. It takes time. So yeah. uh, at the very beginning, we were not accepted. And at the end, after my eight years, we were very well accepted. And people like that used to be like, oh, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> used to take subscription. You know what I mean? Jumping from like this like super down to at the end, like being invited by... You know, I remember, think about it, just, just to give you an idea. Nobody wanted to work with us. So I was selling ads to, to the boutique down the street. It could be like a video, video club, could be like, a, I don't know, a bakery, whatever. I was like, hey, do you want to put some ad into this? You know, so it was like from this to being invited to spend like four days with Carsten or Reynolds in their place and documenting wow. it, you know. So when you think about it, it's like a long fucking road where we had to face crocodiles, ghosts, mm -hmm. witches, the terrific 
people, you know, to the time where it was like, fuck yes, you know, mm. you know, like living the dream of like, because I was like hoping for it. I wanted to like meet those people because I was dreaming about this mm-hmm. and eventually it happened. So that's the reason why after that, I was like, after eight years, I think that I reached the goal, you know, when you yeah. do that, you're like, okay, what's next? So I decided to quit for that reason. Like I could have like all the brands that I want for the magazine. We did vid documentary for like our heroes. So I was like, what's next for me? As I wasn't like partners of the magazine, I was, let's say, employee, even if like I felt like I was more than this because we grew up together. But yes, it was a big, big, big journey. Mm -hmm. And it's also like a good school for me to learn life. Yeah. No, I'm sure it must must have been a a big um, learning experience for you. And it definitely must have helped you a lot through all the rest of your experiences after that. And so do you remember what year you quit? And how did you transition into what you're doing now being a full time freelance illustrator? Was there kind of a, a period where you were kind of doing a bit of both? Or did you kind of switch from one to the other pretty quickly? No, that's true. I think I started to draw in 2008 and I quit in 2013. So okay, when I decided to quit, I was already like getting some recognition. Yeah, like excitement. And like I was getting a little bit accepted with my heart. And because it was hard, you know, at the very beginning, it's like all the people, you know, in skateboarding, they're like, Lucas, I don't understand you. Are you like taking care of like the business of the magazine or are you an artist? People, they hate it. Yeah. You can't have like multiple things because they they don't get it for them. It's like you, the money maker of the magazine, you can't be Mm -hmm. an artist as well. So people, I didn't take me seriously. You know, at the very beginning, it was much more like, oh, yeah, He's doing his thing. Nothing will happen for him. It was just like, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And after six years, and I told you, like, I felt like I reached the limit of the magazine in terms of, like, expansion. Yeah. And at the same time, my art is, was, like, getting to the point where I could, like, maybe make a living with my art. So I decided to quit in 2013. It was a hard time because it was, like, big risk for me. And at the same time, you know, the people who were working at the magazine, they thought I was going to the competitors. They were like, okay, he's going to quit for another magazine. And I said, no, oh, okay. no at all. I'm going to do my art. Nobody believed me. And now look who I am, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still like independent. I'm still like self-employed and do my thing. And I'm so grateful every morning to be able to do this, to be like my own boss. If I don't want to wake up tomorrow, fuck that. I don't wake up tomorrow. If I want to work for 24 hours in a row because I have a project that I have to finish, let's go. I don't care about like, what is it? 35 hours a week? You know, I think I probably work a hundred hours a week. But it doesn't sound working. It feels like freedom. The more I work in something I love, the better I feel. So, you know, I I always like say people like do what you love. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, like life is so short. Try to do something that represents something to you. And that's always what I spread. You know, I always spread that, you know, especially with the youth. I take them. Mm -hmm. I try to give them like the good. Yeah, the good words and tell them like everything's possible, dude everything's possible Mm -hmm. even if it sounds cheesy that's true i mean nobody put me where i am today i just put myself where i am yeah for sure you create things into skateboarding of like documenting about like you know interviewing those people you create your own path and that's beautiful 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You're a big inspiration in that sense, for sure. And so, so you were doing art, you left the magazine. You also started at some point drawing over covers of magazines. I remember, I think in the Big Spin interview, maybe you mentioned that she did um, a recover of, uh, I think it was Adrien Bula who backtailed El Toro. And you did a bunch of those. And I think that all went eventually into uh, one of your first uh, projects uh, called the Recover. And so, yeah, I was just interested in knowing how, how did you come up with this idea to draw over skate magazine covers, basically. So the first magazine that I drew, it was a Vice magazine. And it was like, let's say, two years after I started to draw. So you have to understand that I grew up in the 90s where the only way to get info and to get some reading about skateboarding was through paper, you know. Okay. And, uh, you know, since I started in 1994, I didn't stop buying magazines. So I was surrounded by it. I was surrounded by publication from the U.S. because I used to have, like, people going to California, getting back with Skateboarder, Thrasher, Transworld, and any kind of magazines I was fan of. Okay. So the day I started to paint on my own, on this cover, I was like getting bored, nothing to do. I was just like doodling on things. And I had this cover with the big mouth, started to draw in, inside. Mm-hmm. And then I took a photo, sent an email to info at vice.com, which is the worst way to connect with a, with a brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know that it, w- it won't go anywhere. And you know what? Surprisingly, the next day I had a message from them say like, can we use it? And do you want a subscription? And I okay. was like, fuck, yes. <laughs> and I turned around and I saw all the magazines. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Let's the party starts and I did the same with all the sugar magazine all oh, yeah. the soma back then freestyler and all the kind of magazine that I had and yeah. the good thing is like same thing happened they were like oh can we use it and do you want a subscription so after like five months I was getting like 20 to 30 magazines every month at home so first wow. of all I was like very into what was going on in the world of skateboarding Mm-hmm. From Australia, you know, Slam from Australia. I mean, so much different skateboard magazines. And I was so lucky to to get this. So, And then, to be honest with you, I think this idea put me in a good position in terms of like... I mean, I'm not saying that Instagram can save your life, but almost, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you reach this kind of like of audience, then like out of the blue brand, they get like, they reach you. They're like, hey, let's make a collaboration together. Or they take you seriously, which is stupid, but that's the reality, <laughs> you know. The more you have followers, the more you have businesses. Yeah. So it was kind of like a funny project at the very beginning. But then I understood that this thing's going to put me where I want to be, you know. I want to work more in skateboarding. So mm-hmm. I jumped from like, I don't know, like 200 followers. I was getting followed by my friends and my family. That's it. To 20,000 in three months because it was like wow. crazy. Like I remember that day. I mean, just an example of what happened, but I remember I was in Utah and uh, I was like always sending like covers of like doodling on Transwall and then and they, were, they were like stoked. They were like, cool, but they never posted it. And okay. one day I was just like, okay, that's the next one. And five minutes later, they posted it and I was like, shit, it's happening. And then I was like refreshing my page and it's crazy. Like 
it was back then. It was in 2014 where you could get following. Not today. Yeah. I mean, I swear, if trends were like posting your shit, you would get five followers because it's dead. Yeah, there's so much content. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for the people who want to reach millions of followers. It's dead today. Unless you kill the president of the <laughs> USA. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just crazy how it is today. But I remember I was refreshing. It was like 200, 200, 500. And I yeah. jumped from like 200 to 10K. And it was just like so random. And at the end of the day, you know, it saved my life. Because after that, I was like, can it 10, 15, 20? And mm-hmm. then I was like, yeah, now I have a voice. So I can start reaching out people and bring ideas, bring my own project. So yeah. it's always an advice that I say. It's like, do you want to reach out people? Do you want to reach out galleries? Do you want to reach out brands with no following? It won't happen. People, they're going to be like, we don't give a shit. Yeah. So I was like trying to find an idea, a concept that will help me to get like a bigger community. And from this, you can start like reaching out with ideas and your own project. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I wanted to ask you also, um, how would you define your your style as an artist, as a painter? I don't know much about art, but uh, like uh, when I first um, discovered your paintings and your drawings, uh, it kind of reminded me of Keith Haring, uh, you know, with like all the characters and stuff. It's very colorful and pop kind of. So yeah, I was just wondering, how would you define your style and who are some of the artists uh, that maybe influenced you in the early stages of you becoming an artist? So um, I still like try to uh, really like find a way to define my art because I don't have words to describe it, you know, but I have words to say what's the meaning of my art. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important, you know, I don't want to say it's like pop art or, you know, people when I read interview on me, it's like, oh, street artist, Luca Buffon. But who like, am I a street artist? Really? <laughs> I did a couple of walls that was commissioned by the hotel. I'm not sure I'm a street artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, so people yeah. always like, use like, I'm an artist. I love to paint whatever that comes to me, you know? But sure. if you want to talk about street artists, let's talk about those guys that fucking like destroy trains all night long with masks on their face. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's street art, you know? That's that's really like getting into those illegal things of like the act of like writing something that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. So um, what I'd love to talk about is the meaning of my art, the Gus Gus, you know, like the character that I created. Mm-hmm. It took me like 10 years to really like understand who is Gus Gus. He was inside my head. And I used to have like crazy nightmares back then of like waking up in the middle of the night thinking of a monster trying to eat me, you know? And I was like running out and I was screaming and my my wife, she was like, hey, honey, it's all good. You at home, I'm here. And it takes like always like 20 minutes to understand I was in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like creating Gus Gus saved me from my terrific nights of like uh, getting absorbed or getting eaten by a crazy monster. So first of all, Gus Gus saved me in terms of like, I feel really better now. Mm-hmm. And what it represents, it represents the idea of the world that I would love to see the world like this. I would love to see a world where everybody will live happily with the respect of each other you know no matter no matter you love no effects or no matter you love wu-tang no matter you love whatever music let's respect that and mm-hmm. i talk about music i can talk about politics you know i can talk about 
whatever preferences we have. What I would love is like to live happily in a world where you have a preferences. That's fine. Mm. That's your preferences. And I feel like when you say I love no effects, people are going to say, oh, you love punk rock music. So you you like white people, for example. You know, people <laughs> love to say this kind of like stupid bullshit. So yeah. Gus Gus is this character flying all around the world, spreading this idea of like, let's be together in this world and let's respect each other tests, you know. And so I love mm. to say that it represents me, you know, is... Sorry, I say is, but actually, let me say that is no gender. It's not a girl. It's not a boy. It's a mix of a bird and a human. That's mm -hmm. why you can see the beak. Yeah. And you, you mentioned about like Keith Haring. I love Keith Haring. And I tell you what, I discovered his art. I was five years old. I was in New York City. I was my dad for, for the first time. And mm -hmm. we were like hanging around. You know, when you're five years old from Cannes and you go to New York City, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, it's like getting to another planet. And my dad, he was like re wearing a T-shirt with a monster on it, you know, with the three eyes stuff. I was like, dad, what is that? Think about it. I was five or six years old and Keith Haring was still alive oh, yeah, yeah, back yeah. then. And he said, it's an artist from New York City. And there's a gallery right there. We can see some stuff. And mm. you know what I mean? It wasn't like I knew about him. It was just like, oh, that's a cool art. Let's go. And yeah, I saw yeah. canvases from him. So the first time I saw Keith Haring art, he was still alive. And it was like maybe fresh paintings from him, which yeah, is insane yeah, yeah. when you think about it. And, and then, you know, of course, people can see like there is influence and stuff, but there is inspiration everywhere. You know, I can tell yeah, yeah, yeah. in any kind of like painting, you can say like, and people love to say that people say, oh, I can see a little bit of Space Invader there. I can see a little bit of Baker skateboards. We can see things everywhere, you know, like uh, Virgil Abloh used to say, if in your creation, there is like 97% of inspiration and 3% that represents you. And I think that's correct, you know, because mm. it means that we don't really create, we don't really invent stuff today. Yeah. We take things and like we recreate it, you know. Sure. And you talk about like artists that I love. I would love to mention Fernand Léger, which oh, yeah. is for mm -hmm. me like a big influence, you know, inspiration. And like more recent, I love art like Andy Rementer mm -hmm. uh, is American. I love also like um, Mac Fredrich. Jeff McFredrich, I really love his art. Mm -hmm. He's really influenced by the skateboard world, you know. And I mean, I could mention a lot, you know, like I love also this guy. I remember when he was very brand new through the gram, Henry Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He created like this character, which is a skater, which is him, I guess. And is really good illustrator of like uh, representing like how it is to skate today with kind of like uh, bubbles and, and different um, stories of like going to a skate park and like hanging out with skaters. So Henry Jones, if you don't know this guy, is a very young guy from the East Coast. I think he's from um, Philadelphia. Or okay. around this area, but yeah, uh, it's a good uh, inspiration. But I could I could mention thousands of inspiration. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's why I create like art camp because I love people. You know, I love to meet those artists. Yeah, and, and that's actually a very good transition because I wanted to ask you about the LB project, so the Lucas Buffard project. I was wondering how and when did that start 
And uh, what is uh, the purpose, basically? Because uh, from what I understood, it's a collective of artists that gather together. And, and um, you just mentioned an art camp. You're going to do one in June in Florida. So yeah, can you just tell me about when it started and, and what's the, the whole purpose? So everything started when I quit the magazine. So when I quit the magazine, I started to go on website to see how it is to be normal, to um, look for a job, you know. It was funny because I went to Monster and I was like, okay, what it is to seek for a job? And after an hour, I was like, fuck that, you know, mm -hmm. shut down the computer, throw it away. I was like, I'm going to create my own job. But I didn't know what it was, you know, it was like, yeah, but what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I took a piece of paper and I drew like a triangle and I just wrote like the three things that really represent myself. So it was like skateboarding, art and traveling. Okay. And the connection of those three created LB Project. And LB Project, yes, it's Lucas Beaufort Project, but I love to keep just LB Project because I don't care it's LB, you know, it's just like I needed a name. Yeah. So... The first project that I did through LB Project was a tour in Europe, bringing together like 10 artists, mm -hmm. artists like BB Bastidas that I love, even like this crazy artist, uh, Jeremy Fish from San Francisco. Oh, yeah. It was Todd Bradford. It was Michael Sieben. It was a mm -hmm. bunch of like crazy artists that I was admiring back then. And then I still admire. Of course. So... I reached out to them and I was like, let's go to do a tour in Europe. So it was like through SketchUp, you know, actually through FTC in yep. Barcelona, through Benji in Amsterdam, just to mention a few. It's crazy because when we go to the future, like far ahead and we see the book, I think I was into, into this for, since the beginning, you know, since everything is so like natural. So mm. I did this project. I had like five boards per artist, did a tour in Europe for one year. Uh -huh. And then we raised money for um, Skedistan. Exactly. And I was so, so stoked about it, like to do something that has a meaning, to do something for a good cause. Yeah. And after that, it was a very good experience. It was like supported by skate brands, you know, to finance the project. Because mm -hmm. I invent, invited, sorry, those artists to meet me in Europe. So it was like we were spending like three, four days together, skate, meet the community and uh, growing as an artist because I was like learning from them, asking them a lot of questions. And then mm -hmm. a year later, I did the same project in the US. But instead of having just like artists, I brought photographers. So the new oh. project was like, I work with um, Veldman. You know, they are the, the photographer, Veldman. Uh -huh in Europe. So I asked him, do you want to be part of it? What's the deal? So I was like, send me a photo. So I printed the photo on five board and then mm -hmm. I sent the set to an artist. So they did kind of like a recover project on boards. Uh, I so see, okay. it was in, it was in the US for a year with FTC in SF. It was um, escapist in uh, Kansas City. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so nice because you know, same thing. I met them. I think it was in 2016 or 2015 or something. And the same thing, I raised, I mean, I tried my best to raise money for Harold Hunter Foundation. Oh, yeah. So same thing, you know, but we were more people. It was like more photographers, more artists, more boards, more skate shops. And I think I did a, yeah, a final show for the Agenda, uh, which is a trade show in, uh, in California. So it was like a good experience as well. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, like when I quit the magazine, I 
straight up did something bringing artists together and bringing the skate community together and skate brands together to um again like do something for a good cause which is like foundation yeah. like skate eastern or herald hunter foundation yeah and so eventually you started working on the documentary called Devoted. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier, which was basically about skate media. I think it was released in 2017 around there. I'm not too sure of the exact date. So yeah, can you tell me a little bit about that project? How did this idea begin and how long did it take you to do all these interviews? Because there's so many people you interviewed for this uh, and in multiple countries. Devoided is another example of like how much I want to explore new things, new topics, want to challenge myself with something new. But it's also like tells how much I want to meet the people I love, you know, like to be yeah. honest with you, Devoted was a very selfish project of like being able to mm -hmm. spend time with Lance Mountain, with Mark Johnson entering the crazy thrasher castle because going there it's not that easy to be involved and to to be able to speak sure. with mike burnett to be able to to spend time with mosca but not just like yeah. in a fucking random bar no in his place he opened his house so yeah. spending time with gar mariano in this like small place same thing you know it's like they open their door So the very beginning, it was like, I want to know more about those people, but how? So then I was like, what should I do? Like what documentary that hasn't been done and would be super interesting. interesting. So I was like, same thing, you know, think about all the way of like starting to skate and starting to draw on covers of magazines. If I started to do that, it's because I love magazines. And then mm -hmm. I did the documentary about them. It makes sense because I collected it and then I decided to interview them because they interview skaters. But why not like interviewing them and know what they have in their mind? And 2017 was a time where the print was getting, it was hard, you know, in a way, you know, look at Transworld in the early 2000. It was a Bible. And then in 2015, it was like so thin with nothing inside. So I wanted to know, mm. is it really because of the Internet? Or is it because the content was bad? Mm -hmm. And this is something that we have to understand that if there's still like magazines that exist, like let's say there's solo magazines, there's place magazine from Germany. If it's still there, it's because they do a good job documenting skateboarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. when I started to do this, I wanted to kind of like a journalist. And, you know, when I met Steve Barra, for example, when he was like, you know, he took over Skateboarder magazine. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was dead. Uh... And, and yeah, yeah, with through the barracks. And I, I loved the new version, you know, I was like, that's sick. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of like, why there's not much of stories inside? If you remember when, I, when you used to flip it, it was like nice quality magazine. But where is the content? Where is the story? Uh -huh. And I think it was missing. So when I interviewed him, I was like, don't you think that it's lacking like uh, some words? And he was mad, you know, he was like, hey, Lucas, where are you going? You know, what are you trying to make me say? Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I just want to say that always people use an, as an excuse that, oh, print is getting down because of the Internet. But I think the real excuse is like you didn't like really like tweak it 
I don't know, like a nice publication, you want to have it. It's tangible. You want to keep it. You want to get back to it and read. Mm -hmm. If it's just like a piece of like a collection of ads, it won't go anywhere. You know, like Jen Kim, for example, Jen Kim is a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about it in the movie. They don't do news every day. They have a new article every three days. Yeah. And you know what you do? You attend. You are waiting for it. Yeah. Will you, every day you go on the website waiting for the new article. Do you think we really need to put like five new articles every day? I'm not sure about it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the craziness of the world we're living today. We're living in a world where we want to put so much stuff. For what? Yeah. Until we die for a heart attack or something? So... I was like, I'm down to, to slow down, honestly. Yeah. And uh, we talked about it with the documentary and what a time, you know, honestly, like traveling mm. in Japan, interviewing VHS, traveling in Australia, int interviewing like Slam Magazine. I was like traveling the world, interviewing those guys and understand where like Prince is going. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because... Back then, Transwall was like transitioning from every month. And he was saying, Lucas, we're going to turn like to uh, like every two months, new magazine. Mm -hmm. And now 2022, no Transwall magazine anymore. So if you look at the documentary, it's kind of like historical kind of. Sure. No, absolutely. And uh, I was also curious to ask you because I, I saw um, that uh, Jamie Owens, who uh, was the, um, one of the bosses basically at Transworld for a long time, he just started a new magazine called Closer. I think the first issue was just released a few days or weeks ago. He was just on the Nine Club not too long ago to talk about it. And yeah, just I was just interested in knowing what do you think that's something that is uh, going to come back a bit, like doing just one magazine every three or six months or something, but doing a really proper, very good quality one with no ads or very little ads. And is that something that's going to develop more or... I'm super curious, you know, actually, um, I met him in Tampa. He was there shooting photo and uh, I saw the magazine. I took it, of course. I have yeah. it with me. Cool. I'm always like stoked to see a new magazine and his approach of like getting the old things and the new thing that his approach of like not just talking about the new commerce and new skaters and new story. It was always like celebrating the past. Yeah. So like uh, connecting each world is nice. Just like showing that it comes from something. Mm -hmm. And also, I love his approach of like, uh, you have to subscribe to get the magazine. So it's only like the real like supporter, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's better to get like 500 subscribers that will die for the magazine that's trying to be everywhere. And at the end of the day, you have like a bunch of magazines that won't find hands at the end of the day, you know. I, I prefer like, it's like, you know, when you have a brand. I prefer a brand that make like pre-orders saying like, okay, we have 500 orders. So we create 500 t-shirts mm -hmm. rather than like creating like 10,000 because it's less expensive because it's like the scale, you know? Yeah. And then 8,000 finish to a bean because nobody wanted to buy it. You know, I, I like this approach. Mm -hmm. Like a low key, you know, a small quantity, but nice quality. You know, I love this. So yeah. Good luck for this new adventure for uh, yeah for, for closer. Yeah. I'm gonna try to get my hands on a copy. I'd love to uh, see all the interviews and all the the work they've been doing. Uh. And so I, I was also wondering. So you said basically uh, devoted was also kind of a pretext for you to get to meet some of your like your your dream guests or just skaters and people in the industry that you uh, admired a lot. 
But uh, did you kind of script, so to speak, the whole documentary before you went and traveled and did your interviews? Or did you do it the opposite way? Did you just go there, did some interviews, kind of just uh, improvised a bit? And then with all that content, just kind of pieced it all together? How, how did you work on the storytelling, basically, for the documentary? I think I interviewed so much people. I mean, like almost like a hundred. Yeah. Like even like PJ Ladd is involved, but you don't see him in the documentary. And it's a shame, you know, I spent like a, an hour with him. It was in the park. It was awesome. But the answers that I had wasn't like what I was looking for. You know, it was like repeating what I had already with all the people. So I was oh, yeah. like. I can't force myself, you know, and I, it wasn't mad, you know, you didn't even say like, oh, you didn't put me in the, in the documentary. So when I started this thing, I had like 10 questions that I always asked people because it was sure. a way for me to build the documentary. Otherwise, you just don't know where you go. Yeah. So it was kind of like what magazines represents to you. What's your old memories? What is lacking? So I was always asking the same question. So I can put like the best answer in each different section, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So same like, like there's a very good thing. If you see at the end, who's next? Who's the next guy that will kill the game? If you look at the documentary in 2017, Masafumi from VHS talks about Yuto Origome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. He kills the game those days. And 2017, he was already talking about him, saying like, is the next guy. Yeah. And I'm so stoked because in 2017, who knew about him? Just a couple of Japanese people. That's it. Yeah, yeah, true. So I'm stoked, you know, I'm stoked to see that. But yeah, the most memorable time for the for the documentary was the time I spent with Mark Johnson. Oh, yeah. It was in the middle of like getting kicked out from Lakai, Lakai to yeah. go to Adidas. Yeah. And it was a hard time for him. His finger, if you look at the documentary, is brown. Because of smoking? If you zoom, yeah, because of smoking. He was smoking maybe a, maybe five packs a day, you know? Oh, wow. Shit. He was trembling. He was like super... But the time that I had with him is like the most memorable time of my whole life in skateboarding. He was so sensitive. He was so smart, always like bringing things that people scared to say. And uh, I was like so intense and I will never forget that, you know. Yeah. And then we went off record, you know, when he told me like things that I won't mention now about like how it was with uh, Lekai and because yeah. I don't want to have trouble. And... Yeah, yeah. But what he told me was tough and rough, you know, and I was like, okay. It changed my mind how brands could be, you know, yeah. because in this beautiful world, everybody respects everybody, pays everybody well. But in the real life, you know, when you get into like very specific people, man, in skateboarding, especially in skateboarding, it's a hard world because it's beautiful because it's just the most creative and beautiful act in the world. But when you know how much people can make a living to skateboarding, yeah. that's a shame, you know. It's also a business and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a business, but like skaters, like pro skaters should get paid like way more oh, than what they sure. used to, you know. They get 500 bucks by jumping 20 stairs and almost die every try, you know. Mm -hmm. that, you know, we should like, I hope, I don't know, we find a good balance of like, hey, that's not fair that you have to work in a supermarket during the day and skate during the night to be able to live when you're a pro skater. Yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. I want to say. 
One question I had, I heard this in your Big Spin interview. You mentioned that Jeremy Rogers tried to attend the premiere that you did in Los Angeles in 2017 or 2018. I don't remember what year, but uh, he wasn't on the guest list or something. And I think your wife was uh, kind of greeting people to come into the premiere. And since he wasn't on the list, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Or Did I get that right? Or was was it a true story? Or It's a fucking true story. And I love this story, to be honest with you, because... <laughs> We almost like avoid the drama because so everybody was there uh, inside, you know, so it was in 2017, the premiere okay. and uh, like almost all the people that I'm, I don't want to say all of them, but a group amount of people that are from the movie were there at the premiere. I rent a theater, you know, it was a crazy time, you know, I spent all my money yeah. to rent a theater and to have the people there like just to tell you the thing. The theater proposed me to put like 3,000 euros on the table to create like a catering with foods and drinks. Yeah. And as I was short in money, my wife and I prepared everything, you know, during the oh, whole yeah. day. We prepared like pizza, quiche, whatever, you know. Sure. And, you know, like when you're passionate, you want to make things yourself. And especially when you're short with money, there's always a way, you know, to do it yourself. Sure. So that night, my wife, she was at the entrance, you know, checking the list of the people. Mm -hmm. And I told her, like, if they're not on the list, they can't get in, you know. Sure. And after that, you know, she told me after because I was inside the theater and she said like, hey, that guy came to me cover up with tattoo on his face. He was like, hey, I'm Jeremy Rogers. Uh, can I get in? It was like, sorry, I can't see your name. And this guy was hoping that the girl who knew him like, hey, Jeremy, of course, come yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't know any faces, you know, like yeah, she's a. Yeah. My wife, she works with me. She's my manager. She's the best partner ever. Mm -hmm. But the thing to talk about her, she loves the fact that I love skateboarding and I have passions. But she's not into it, you know. When I try yeah. to show her some videos, she's like, you know what, Lucas, I just see guys rolling on the board <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, you know. And, and so I, she was like, I'm going to do the job and I'm going to be good. And then the guy said to my wife, hey, you know what? I'm probably in the movie, so you better let me in. And he wasn't in the movie, actually. It, just, it was bluffing. And, okay. you know, I was lucky that a guy from the theater get out to smoke a cigarette. And he saw, like, Jeremy. And he came to my wife and said, hey, better let him in. He's, he's a... He's a Yeah, pro. he's like a pro skater. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should let him go. And my watch was, no, I'm the boss here. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, you know, the guy that was talking to my wife got back to the theater, said, hey, you better go outside. There's a Jeremy Rogers. He wants to get in. And then I was him. And I hugged him like, hey, Jeremy, what's up? Yeah, come on. And my watch, she was like, okay, you're the boss, you know. So it was funny. It was a... Uh... Yeah, it's funny. Okay, so I want to talk about Heart, your latest uh, big project. So it's basically, I don't know if you can call it a coffee table book, but it's like a, basically um, an art book about skate shops and the history of skate shops for the last 40 years. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, especially after talking about everything you've been doing before that, that you would do something like that. But yeah, how, how did that project uh, come into your mind and uh, how long did it take you to work on it all? 
Yeah, Heart is another project that I freaking love to make, you know, same thing, you know, I will never, it wasn't, none of my project is somebody like whispering on my ear saying like, hey, you better do this or you should do that. Mm -hmm. Or even a brand telling me like, I would tell you more about the Dickie's book after that. But same thing, Dickie's book was my idea. They didn't approach me saying like, hey, do you want to do a, a book for our 100 year anniversary? So mm-hmm. uh, heart, it was like, you know, 2020 COVID time. I'm a big traveler and suddenly I was not able to go outside my house, which was really hard for me. Yeah, so I, can I imagine, was like, yeah. what could I do? And uh, I was like, OK, after magazines, after media, after all, you know, I was like, what should I do? What's left? Yeah, and I was like, the foundation. And when I thought about it, I was like, skate shops are the most important things in the skate world. And I'm not scared to do that, you know. Of course, we need product. Of course, we need brands. Of course, we need skateboards to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But the foundation is skate shops. A place where you can get advices, where you can have a home, where you can make friends, where you can stay and talk shit about whatever you want. That's a skate shop. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me my early years, 1994, getting to LSD and being scared to be there because it was like another world. Yeah. It was a place where I was, yeah, I was scared. But at the same time, I was like touching everything. It was a t-shirt. It was just a fucking t-shirt because it was written real on it. You were like, let's go, you know. (laughs) And uh Yeah, I remember that. And so 2020, everything's closed. I was thinking about skate shops and how hard it was going to be to uh, leave this period, you know. And I was like, okay, let's make a book to pay a tribute Mm -hmm. to them because it never happened. And when I started to reach out those shops, because you have to understand that I interviewed almost 100 of skate shops, but I knew 35 or 40 because I met them for real. Yeah, you went there and met the people. and So it was easier for me to kind of like uh, present them the idea. And when I said to them, like, hey, guys, I want to make a book, you know, spreading love and telling the story of like 40 years of SketchUp's history, they literally like they jumped all over the place. Yeah, They were like, let's fucking go, let's <laughs> fucking go. It was insane because I felt the love. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was needed. So first of all, I talked to shops saying, like, are you down? And you can say, like, how did I pick this shop and not this one? Yeah. Because again, you know, this is for all the skate shops that will hear about it. You know, heart is not about 90 skate shops. It's about all the skate shops in the world. This is dedicated to you. Because when you read somebody says that a skate shop is a home, a place that is welcoming everyone. I'm sure you you agree with this. So supporting heart is like saying like, yes, we care. And yes, we love skate shops. Yeah. And how can I make a book interviewing a thousand of skate shops to make what? A 10,000 pages book that is impossible (laughs) to ship? Yeah. (laughs) I think that I want people to remember that I fight with you and I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. This book is not about, we don't care who is involved and who is interviewed. Because those shops talk about what a skate shop is. Yeah. So if you're a skate shop, you have the same idea. Mm-hmm. So it's important for me to say that. And again, like, how did I make the selection? I talk to distributors. I talk to brands. I talk to people, photographers and say, give me your five best skate shop in Germany. 
give me your best five sketchups in Italy. Mm -hmm. And then I put everything together and I decided to interview them. But okay. if you go at the end of the book, I mentioned like 800 skate shops that are part of it to say, well, yes, we are together. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are together and we, we fight for the same thing, for the same culture. So yeah, I interviewed 90 people, but it's way more. It's us. Mm -hmm. And if you're a skate shop from Milan, you're part of it. It's for you as well, you know? Sure. Because when you read it and you see a skate shop like Pawn Skate Shop from California saying like, we have to do this for the community, FTC for the community, for the city. Yeah. When you read this and you're a guy from Milan and you get the book, what's the first reaction you have? You want to go down and go see your local skate shop and support them. Yeah. So even if it's not on the book, you understand what's the meaning behind and we have to take care of them and we have to protect them and be with them and support them. grow with the community. Yes, support them. So yeah, it's, it's about us. And heart is way more than 90 sketchups. It's the whole industry mm -hmm. because there is like Jeff Rowley. You have Josh Callis talking about their first yeah. souvenir. Templeton. Yeah, Templeton. So it's the whole industry. That's the reason why when I approach brands, Vance, Huff, DC, straight up, they say, let's go. Because if you say no to this project, you say, fuck you, skate shops. Yeah. And you can't do that. You can't say that. So mm -hmm. I was super stoked to do a project that brought people together. Yeah. Nike, Vance, you can say whatever you want about all those brands. They supported it to make it happen. So if you look at like, even like Soltech, and I'm stoked they're involved, you know, mm -hmm. Don Brown is involved and it's not easy for them because, you know, of course, when the big company came into skateboarding, you know, it was hard for them. Yeah. But don't forget the past. Don't forget early 90s when the Ethnies, Axel, you know, the S, the Sal Barbier were there. We were all like fucking crazy about those brands. And then all the big brands came and we all like, oh, we don't care. You know, we were like, we want the big cars mm -hmm. with big money, you know. Don't forget the past, you know. I always say, don't forget the past. DC, Vans, whatever, you know, like those brands were there at the early days and it's important to support. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. full support for all those brands. And uh, yeah, I'm stoked that they decided to uh, follow me in this crazy um, adventure. Crazy time. Yeah. And so you just came back from Tampa a few days ago and um, you drew all over the course, basically, or the skate park. And uh, it was the perfect timing also for the release of the book and everything. And I was just curious to hear, how was it basically? How was that experience? It must have been a trip to see the level of skating and everything and, and your art over there. And you must have connected with a lot of people. And, and yeah, how, how was that whole um, experience over there? To be honest with you, skateboarding-wise, it was time of my life, you know. Because, again, you know, like, you know Tampa Pro for ages. I remember back then the 411 video of, like, the only way to knew what happened, it was, like, getting the new VHS 411. And, oh, that's cool, you know. Uh, Kerry gets one this year. Yeah. That's cool. You can see, like, a five-minute shot of, like, six skateboarding. And when you see that and you're 14 years old, you're like, wow, that's Disneyland for me, you know. Yeah. And I think all the time I put myself there, you know. It wasn't like I was lucky. It's because I'm a hustle guy. Yeah. yeah. I hustle all the time. <laughs> and first time I went to Tampa for Tampa Pro, it was in 2018 for the LB project, actually. Oh, okay. You know, I told you, like, I did some, like, a show in FTC, in New York, everywhere. Sure. And I did one show during Tampa Pro with the, the border. Oh, yeah. 
it's another shop. And then I, I was able to be in Tampa for Tampa Pro and see this as a, not as a spectator, you know, I just was like there to look at the contest. Yeah. And it blew my mind. But it wasn't enough for me, you know. I was like then dreaming of painting the park. Mm -hmm. So I started to reach out Paul Zitzer, you know, who worked there since uh, yeah a long time. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Paul, I don't want to force you, you know. The thing is just like, I'm ready for this. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, let me think about it, you know. And, and then three years later, it was in January this year, I think it was December last year. He was like, hey, Lucas, are you ready? And I said, more than ever, mm -hmm. let's go. And it was like, man, the crazy thing is like there is stuff that you can do in your life for free, man. I don't want to say it was for free because, of course, it was intense mm -hmm. and it was like dollars involved, but not crazy. What I want to say is like when you do stuff for free, it's because you freaking love it. Yeah, for sure. And this thing in Tampa, you know, I would have done it for free just to tell you how much it means to me. Yeah. And I worked so hard. It was like three, four days, like 20 hours oh, yeah. a day. I'm sure it must have been intense. Yeah. But then when it was done and then you have the whole skate world going there for the contest and you see your artists like surrounding it, man, that's a dream. You yeah. Know? And I'm so grateful that I was able to do this. And I'm, I'll be back in November for the Tampa Am. Okay. Yeah, I will expand my art to make it bigger. And I want to add some new stuff because I don't want people see like the same shit. Yeah. And so I'm ready to be back. And I felt like uh, like home, honestly, like Paul Zitzer and Brian Schaefer and the whole squad. They took me like I was their son, you know, mm -hmm. that was the family. They were like super nice with me and they were like, Lucas. Tampa, Skate Park of Tampa is your home forever. Cool. So yeah, time of my life. And I really want to tell people like, if you've never done Tampa Pro, just fucking go there because it's the best contest, skate contest in the world. Mm. Just for the vibe, the crowd. It's super hot, super warm there. But the parties and like the vibe outside the park is just like, it's so unique. So just go there and live it. It's very special. So you mentioned earlier the Dickies book you're going to work on. So I was just wondering what other projects are coming up for you. So the Dickies book is, is done. I mean, now we have to review everything together, see if, uh, if there's no like politics and stuff, you know. But um, they approached me last year saying like, hey, Lucas, we want to have you as an ambassador, kind of saying like, if you want to pick whatever you want on the website, we would be happy to give you some stuff. And I was like, hey, guys. I love Dickies. The thing is like, I get approached by brands all the time and my closet is like, I have too much things, gifts and stuff. I'm like, hey, I might take a pant or, you know, a, a traveler. What? That's it. I don't want to go too crazy. Yeah. I was like, what's the, what's the news? What are you working on? Mm -hmm. And it was last year. And they said, next year we celebrate our like 100 years anniversary. And I was like, fuck yes. Mm -hmm. And that I was like, hey, you know what? What if you send me archives of like photos from 1922 to now? And I'm going to like draw on it. Kind of like a recover book on Dickie's archives. Cool. Yeah. Like, Oh, let me think about it. And then three months later, I was working on it. But it's going to be bigger than this. It's a lot of like interviews of like the CEO, you know, like so much people that work there, the, the designer and also like the skate team. Yeah. So Jamie Foy, Tom Knox, Vincent Alvarez, all those guys, I interviewed them to know, yeah, how did they start writing for the brand? And so, yeah, yeah. I tried to do 
It's an art book. I don't want to do like a commercial book, you know. So yeah, it's going to be released end of this year. Okay. And uh, yeah, so this thing, I have the art camp in... Um, yeah, in the June. The new art camp in Florida in June at uh, this place named Hotel Pounds. It's my friend Greg. He runs the motel. Okay. It's so sick. It's near uh, Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, my art camp is um, is a week festival, art festival, where I invite artists from the U.S. and around the world when I when I can mm-hmm. and uh, bring people together. Same thing. It's like if you're a young artist and you want to join us, mm-hmm. I would never tell you to fuck off. <laughs> I would be like, hey, come with us. Yeah. Come hang out. Yeah. You don't have an invitation. Who cares? Bring your stuff. You don't have stuff. This is your stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's crazy. Like I have like people that reach me like, hey, how does it work? How can I come there? Like, how can I be invited? I'm like, why do you need to be invited? Come over. Yeah. And I realize that people like they always need me to put them in a bus or put them in a plane. I'm like, make it happen yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Be responsible of yourself. Take action. Yeah, if you don't have the money to book the plane, you know what? Sell cookies every <laughs> Sunday. You know what I mean? It's like, there's always a way, you know? You don't know yeah. what I did to pay my first plane ticket to go to the US, you know? I did crazy shit. Playing guitar outside. I used to play guitar down the street, putting like my hat and be like, hey, let's make money, you know? <laughs> let's hustle, whatever you can do. I was like making two, three jobs in the same time, night jobs. During the day, you know, I always like make things happen and I never try to find excuses of like, oh, I don't have the money to travel. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the money to travel. I just like find a way. So people always find excuses. Oh, I can't come. It's Florida. It's far. I never thought like this. You know, when I was yeah. 20, I was like, I don't care if it's far. I will make it happen. Yeah. Very driven. Yeah, absolutely. One question I finish usually my interviews with uh, before the friends questions is just basically what's like the most valuable lesson that you feel you've learned from skateboarding? You know, this question, it's hard for me because honestly, like everything that I am today is because of skateboarding. When I was a young student, you know, I was bad at school. Getting back home with bad marks. And my mom, she was desperate. She was like, what are we going to do with you, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I was like always thinking about going out and skate. I talk about a time. I mean, I really like skate hard from 13 to 22, 23. I was really like 10 years. But it's the time where you're student, you know, when you have to be like, they say, into it. Mm. And I wasn't into it. I wasn't doing my homeworks. And I always like make it happen because I was smart enough to kind of like cheat during, you know, the time I, I had like an exam. I was like, hey, dude, what's the two? What's the three? What's the, <laughs> you know, I was always smart about it, you know, because yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be like that guy getting like the worst mark in the class because then people like take you like a fucking dumb guy. Yeah. So I was like average, you know, but yeah, you talk about like, you know, skateboarding taught me English, for example. Who do you think like taught me how to speak in English? School? In France, <laughs> come on, this is bullshit, you know. And again, you know, like, like if you're a young guy listening to this, English will save your life. English mm-hmm. is the best thing. When I travel, I always like meet French people being like super awkward, <laughs> trying to communicate and speaking French in slow motion. Like, excusez-moi, est-ce que c'est possible d'avoir une cuillère? And I'm like, do you think this guy will understand? <laughs> yes, but I don't know how to speak English. I'm like, I know, but use your phone. Like, there's a way to, like, translate it, you know? like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always say people, like, best thing you have to learn in class, English. 
because we live in the world where we connect every time with through Instagram, you know, there's people like from like random country reaching you like, hey, what do you do? And like, sorry, I don't speak English. Sorry, like, we can't communicate. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, skateboarding really like taught me the best thing that I wanted to know in life, you know, like being curious, wanted to explore the world, being open-minded, having friends from all around the world, like black, yellow, red, green, who cares, you know? And mm -hmm. So yeah, um, that's the best school that I could ever like uh, experience. Four wheels, one piece of food, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do the French questions. So this first one, I had the same question from two different guys, but I'll have you listen to one of them. What up, Lucas? It's Mark Oblo. What's going on? All right, my question for you, because you did this amazing amazing book of all the skate shops do you remember the very first skate shop that you walked into what was the name of that shop and what was your first impression that's my question hope you're well that's sick it's cool to uh, have a question from mark because i know him for a while mm -hmm. but the first time i met him it was in january in california it was so random i went to this shop and the guy said oh you know i'm friend with mark and he's living just just around the corner mm -hmm. let me uh, reach out and he came because he actually knew me so from that time january we didn't stop talking and we are working on a show together so uh, we're gonna have a show pretty soon Awesome. So, yeah, if you read the book, the intro is about this. Yeah, yeah. It's about me and my first experience, and it's uh, LSD. Yeah, you was mentioned the name. it earlier, yeah. It's a funny name because LSD, you know, LSD yeah, yeah. SketchUp, <laughs> you're like, what the hell is that? But it's a Langlois Sport distribution. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it was like entering Disneyland. It was entering the place where, like, before going there, I was, like, training myself, like, Okay, Lucas, don't say this question. Don't be dumb. Be brave. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. like this because I was so young. I was 13. And I remember the first time I went there, it took me like almost like an hour to be ready. And then I got there. It was just one guy or two guys. It was empty. And yeah, they were looking at me like, oh, who the fuck is this young little grom, you know? <laughs> and uh, it kind of like so that I was like scared. And uh, it was funny because I was, this was just three boards on the wall. And I said, can I get this board? And he was like, no, nah, man, it's already sold. And that one, no, nah, it's sold. <laughs> and that one, yes, it's possible. And I didn't like it because it was a girl logo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. When you're 13 and you don't know shit about skateboarding, you don't want to buy a board with a toilet yeah. girl logo <laughs> on it, you know? And it was a shame. I was like, the fuck? But I was like, okay, that's the last one available. I got it. And you know what? The funny thing is like the day after I went to the skate spot in Cannes mm -hmm. and I was scared that people would see my graphic. And then somebody said, what? You have the guy Mariano girl skateboard? That's oh, so that awesome. <laughs> And I was like, what? That's cool. If it, Come on, girl skateboard. And it was brand new. You know, back then it was like a year or something that the brand happened. And everybody knew that girl was the shit. Yeah. And then I was like starting to like get into like videos and be like, okay, goldfish and like all the old girls video. And I was like, damn, mm -hmm. that's so awesome. So yeah, Mark, that was the answer. And uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, for your support, bro. <laughs> Very cool. All right, this next question is from Jacob Sawyer at Slam City Skates in London. 
So he said, in the interviews that Lucas did for Hearts, he asks where skate shops see themselves being in 10 years' time. I would ask him what his predictions are. Where are we in 10 years' time? Are there more skate shops or will there be less? I hope so much that it's going to be more because honestly, what I see now in skateboarding and especially in the, the booming of like the girls community mm -hmm. makes me think that we're going to have like skate shops, more and more skate shops that girls will run. Like I want to say shout out to Amy from KCDC. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Michelle from Any uh, Social. Any Social, yeah, yeah. And there's probably more girls, but those girls are amazing. They're warriors running their boutique for so many years. Yeah. And as a girl, it's not easy. And they prove the, to everyone that it's possible. Yeah. And, and having a skate shop that a girl that will run, it's just different, you know, and we need it. So for sure. Through the girls, I think it's going to be, it's going to help to uh, grow super fast and becoming like way more impactful. Mm -hmm, so yeah, mm -hmm. I have good expectations. All right. So this next question is from uh, Ben Gonzolin from Wall Street Skate Shop in Lyon. He just says basically, where do you find all this um, motivation, so to speak? Uh, it looks like you're always on a thousand different projects, whether it's Tampa, doing books, exhibitions, NFTs, you name it. So where do you find the energy and the motivation? Since I was born, because, you know, like a lot of stuff happened in my life. And uh, I don't focus on just me. I focus on what's happening around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like tragedy happens sometimes of like you see your small cousin dying on a car accident, for example. And you see that it's changed lives, you know, your life and especially the parents and stuff. And since my young age... I realized that we have to leave like a hundred percent, like a thousand percent because just for this, you know, we all like experience this of like having a young person that will pass away, you know, because of like disease. Yeah. And for those people, we need to live five lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm lucky to be alive. I have to live five lives, you know, and there's a guy, the guy who runs a uh, big spin, Seb Shallow. Seb Shallow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I told him like, I have this quote I always say, it's uh, chaque seconde compte. Every second counts. Yes, that's my motto, you know. In your philosophy. I'm always like mm -hmm. this. Yeah, philosophy of like, like the moment right now. For me, I'm not doing my homework. <laughs> I'm doing a nice conversation with a dude that I know for not so long. But I think it's great that before doing this, I had the time to um, listen to you, listen how you make your interviews and how you passionate you are, because I'm sure you are yeah, yeah. to do all this thing. You know, it's not like you get paid for this. You no. do this for the love of it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I hope one day it will become something that you're going to get like sponsors or whatever, you know. And yeah, we'll see. But I know that you do it for the right reason. You do it because you just love to know the story of the people that inspires you. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first interview I, I listened from you, I knew that you were doing this because you know what you're talking about. You know, it's so easy to know that oh, this guy is just like pretending. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. I know you don't pretend you, you know what you're talking about. You love skateboard history. And that's why I'm, I'm sure that the podcast is going to become like something like pretty soon. It's already something, but it's going to expand. Well, thank you. Yeah, coming from you, that means a lot. So yeah, thank you.
Let's uh, move on to the next question. This one, I think, is uh, someone you admire a lot, Michael Sieben. So he asked a few things, but I'll just ask you this question. He said, what was the first skate graphic that you saw that really connected the dots between skateboard, culture, and art? The first graphic made by an artist that really like blew my mind was uh, Andy Jenkins. Back then, it was like the, my early ages. I think it was 1995 or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a, a basketball series. And it was the Costin or something. All those guys, you know, jumping and, uh, and making like a dunk or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's different, you know. It's a basketball drawing on the deck, you know? And I was like, that's interesting, you know, to be mm. so different. But yeah, so yeah, Andy Jenkins, shout out to him. Yeah. I know that uh, this series like really like inspired me and I, I bought the board actually. I think uh, it was the, the Costin one. Okay. I kind of remember this series, but uh, I, I would have to see a picture of it to remember it fully. But yeah. If you check it out, just like wrote like a basketball series, Andy Jenkins. Girl skateboards. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think they remade it. But uh, the OG one, you see, uh, you remember. This is an interesting question also from still from Michael. But uh, he said there's a ton of newer skate brands in existence right now. Which of them do you find most exciting art wise? Wow, it's a good question. Um Again, you know, like I think uh, as everyone, we have our preferences. Of course. The brand I'm going to say now, it doesn't mean that it, will, it won't change, you know. But uh, I love Quasi. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they inspire a lot of people now. I see a lot of Quasi style on like different brands and even like outside skateboarding in snowboarding, for example. I see like graphic that really like represent this. So I think... Okay. You know, Chad Bowers is the owner. I speak to him, you know, and, you know, I send him the book. He seems to be very, like, he lives in uh, Ohio, which is far from the Mecca of, like, California. LA, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to see, like, this guy is, like, doing the most impressive skate brand those days, and he lives far from everything. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, I don't know, like, the, the vibe behind the brand is incredible. It reminds me a little bit of, like, Alien Workshop back then. I was going to say that, yeah. You know, kind of like mystery behind, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I would say Quasi. I love Passport. Oh, yeah. I think Passport, they do like very good job with Marcus Dixon. He's the art director. Yeah. He's so good. And uh, I think I bought like almost like 20 Passport boards that is waiting to be on the wall. I buy boards all the time. I buy almost five boards a month. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Just because I love it, just because it reminds me a moment of time. And the good thing is like, I always like buy from another skate shop. Every month I buy from another skate shop from London, from Germany, from Spain, just to support, you know, just to be like, no, I don't want to put all my eggs on one plate. I mm -hmm. want to be like different people. So yeah, I buy boards all the time. And cool. um, I had problem with my ankle like a year and a half ago. I used to skate all the time. Mm -hmm. And since then, I hope one day I'll be back to it because I'm so scared now, you know, like when I just roll on a board, I can't even ollie because I'm scared to just roll it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I buy boards just for the wall right now, but I'm hoping to get a skate park one day and like to have like a big uh, studio X skate park X place where we have like events and bring the community. And so I might be back to skateboarding at that time, like kind of like relearning everything to, uh, you know, muscle my ankle and be back to it. But yeah. so far I was in Tampa, try to skate, man, it's just like in my head. Yeah, My yeah, ankle yeah. is doing better. But I'm scared. I'm just scared. Yeah. 
No, I feel you 100%. I had the same issue when I broke my ankle when I was like 21 or something. And I never fully got the confidence back to skate like I used to. I mean, I can roll around, do maybe a kickflip, but uh, that's pretty much it. Like okay. anything beyond that is uh, too frightening for me. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's uh, move on to the next question. This one is audio. This is Dave Waite from 35th Ave in Federway, Washington. And I wanted to ask Lucas what his most challenging art installation was. Uh, what kind of material did you use and how long did it take you? Thanks. Have a good one. It's good to hear from him. It was one of the first guys that I interviewed for the book. You know, 35th Ave is one of the oldest skate shops still alive. 1977. It's insane. So it's one of the very first ones in the book, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it yes, out right yes. now. You know, skate shop wise, I think he's the oldest. Yeah, yeah, he's the first one in the book. So yeah, I mean, the craziest one art installation. It was probably the one I did in uh, Montreal uh -huh. in 2018. It was incredible. It was 25 meters by 25 meters building. And I had just three days to make it happen. And uh, it was so hard. I had an assistant with me to uh, make it happen. Thanks, God. <laughs> and uh, we had to work with like front light oh, during yeah. the night. Okay, wow. So we were like starting like seven in the morning and we were still there on top of the huge thing at night, uh, like nine, ten sometimes, you know, because we had just three days to make it happen. Uh -huh. And the thing is like, I'm scared of the heights. Oh, okay. So uh, when you're 25 meters high, I was like this. That was, and it was like windy. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah. It was tough, but I was so proud at the end. You know, when we finished the wall, we cracked the beer and I was like covered with dust. I was dirty, <laughs> but it was like, fuck, man, we, we did it. Yeah, but made yeah, it. Montreal, mural. That must have been a nice beer after a moment like that. <laughs> yeah. IPA only. I love to say that I'm an IPA guy. Don't <laughs> offer me a blown beer. I will like throw it away. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. Good to if know. If you want to crack a beer for me, IPA only. All right. So this next question is from Yosuke from Hash Dogs in Tokyo. So he said, hi, Lucas. We are honored to be featured in your book, Heart. I'm just curious. Why did you pick us up? Same thing. I made my research. I talked to uh, some people in, you know, like Masafumi from VHS. It's a media there. And I was like, who should I talk with? I tell you that if you've never been to Japan, the skate community is like booming. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Olympic helped a lot. But before the Olympic, do you know how many skate shops that exist there? It's crazy. It's like, let's say in Tokyo, I think there is 10 skate shops in Tokyo. Wow. Okay. It's huge. Mm -hmm. So it was super hard for me to pick one. So I had to ask a lot of people, but yeah, Yosuke is, I met him for real back then, you know, when I was in Japan Yeah. and uh, he told me something like, it doesn't make much. Sometimes, you know, he, may, he lose money and, and it's just like um, running a skate shop is his whole life and he will do it until he's dead. Mm -hmm. So I remember when he said that to me and I was like, it needs to be in the book because of his philosophy of his like passion. Yeah, he's, he told me, like, he doesn't make money at all, you know. He's mm -hmm. just, like, doing what he loves. And to be so dedicated, I was like, he deserves a fucking trophy, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Shout out to you, bro. And he said also, I heard you're coming to Japan this fall. Are you planning to do an exhibition? Yeah, it's true. I talked to him and with a lot of different guys in Japan. I want to do a tour 
kind of like exhibit every two days in like from the north to the south to reach like uh, even like um, Okinawa Island. Okay. And uh, I'm so down. Everybody's down. It's just like I I checked after that. How is it to travel there? And it's still we're still banned to travel in Japan. Oh yeah. So I'm waiting for good news. Hopefully, you know, it will be open again to uh, people. But um, I don't know yet. So okay. once I can travel there, I will for sure do this because Japan people. People, fuck man, this mm-hmm. is the best. Best food, best people, different world. Three reasons to go there. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. Hey Lucas, it's Julius. So with heart, he manifested a tribute to skate shops around the globe. The one community, the important part of our skateboard culture. And with Tito's, of course, we're super proud to be part of it. And with your art, you manifest your creativity your style and your thoughts and we all know to let the creativity flow we need to get in that certain state of mind and for some this mind or the state of mind mind is a routine for some it's a certain song for some it's a place or something visual how do you support getting into your flow into your creative face nice to hear from julius Julius is the son from... Um, the founder? Yeah, from the founder of Titus. Titus Skate Shops in uh, Germany. Yes, which is uh, one of the first skate shop that uh, opens. So I moved in Normandy, which is an hour west uh, Paris, in 2018. So I grew up in Cannes and I stayed my whole life there, like 35 years, mm-hmm. 36 years. And I needed to be in the middle of nowhere. I needed to be surrounded by cows. I needed to mm-hmm. be in the countryside just to uh, clear my mind. And it's happening those days, you know, like I wake up every morning with the sounds of birds. It makes me feel so good. And it reminds me how beautiful is our planet, you know, like just I don't want to wake up in the morning by the horn of like, you know, or <laughs> fuck you, you know, like on, on big cities, yeah. it's always a, da, 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 you know, big, that's big cities, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I grew up with this of like always hearing the sounds of cars. And so to reply to Julius is, you know, I'm traveling, I'm back to travel again. But every time I go back home, it's the best moment where I can just like reset my mind, meet my wife, see my dogs. And, you know, I feel the best in the world. So Mm -hmm. the only way to reset is like getting back home after big trips. Yeah. How much time do you spend at home in a whole year? I'm not talking about COVID times, but uh, like between 2018 and 2020, like uh, how much of the year do you actually spend at home versus traveling? It's crazy because my biggest time was 2018, 2019. And uh, when I check out the time I was outside home, it was basically seven months, seven months a year. Damn. So it's crazy because I was like brand new living in Normandy. So we arrived there and the next day I was in China for a month. And then I kept like traveling in the US. And I was like, why do I have a home in Normandy? You know, <laughs> I, I asked myself about it and, and now it makes sense. You know, even if like, like now I'm going back to travel a lot. My wife, she used to come with me, but she likes her place. She likes to be here. And we have so much stuff to do that when I'm traveling, she can like uh, organize all my paper and stuff. But yeah, we love to travel together. But yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, like uh, it was intense. I hope I won't be in this like intensity again of like every week going to uh eight hours flight all the time yeah 
But I like it also, you know, I like to meet new people. I'm going to India end of July for another project with a hotel, uh-huh. W Hotel. And cool. same thing, you know, like I'm going to enjoy being in Goa, being in uh, Bombay and, you know, like live the wild, you know. Mm-hmm. The act of traveling keeps me um, uh, in good shape. At the same time, you know, it takes me away from my dogs. And it's hard, you know, like to be like fully happy, you know. I think I will never be fully happiness, but uh, I try to reach. My goal is like to be really like, oh, yeah, I don't have to do nothing today. <laughs> yeah. My wife, she's always saying like, because I always say that oh, I'm, when I'm going to turn 60, I'm going to slow down. And she knows already that I will never slow down. I will be like, uh, until I die. All right. So very, very last question from Jim Thibault. So he said, thank you for the hard work and effort with this book. It is a beautiful work of art and testament to so many great people at so many great skate shops and all that they are doing for skateboarding. Two quick questions. Tell us about a moment or event at a shop that was beautiful. And the second question is, what is your favorite shop to sit and watch a video at and why? I think it was um, probably Furnace Skate Shop. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Went there and it was like a couple of months after like making my first real board graphic for a legit brand, which was uh, almost back then. I did a board for uh, Day One Song. And uh, I went there and I was random and I saw the board on the wall. I was like, wow. And a little kid say, are you Lucas Beaufort? He said, Lucas Beaufort? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yes. Oh man, I'm a fan. And then he pointed with his finger the board of their one song almost and he bought the board that I signed, you know, to him. Pretty cool. So it was such a epic time, honestly, because it was just like, uh, oh, let's go there to see how it is, you know, and he ended up meeting this kid, being happy to buy a board that I made. Mm-hmm. And uh, concerning the um, video, I think it's hard to say, but nothing will beat the time where VHS happened. And we were all waiting for one video every three months. Yeah. And we were all, the whole city were there to see the video on the couch. So I won't say LSD because they didn't have like so much stuff to watch video. But the shop after that was Premium Skate Shop. Okay. They're not there anymore. But I remember like they had a big couch and we were all like watching. Um, watching us the new skate video. I remember the Osiris the storm. We oh, were the storm, all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was epic time, you know. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here, but thank you so much, Lucas. It was an honor to chat with you. Good luck with all the new projects you're going to work on. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. That's it for my conversation with Luca Beaufort. Follow him on Instagram at Lucas underscore Beaufort, B-E-A-U-F-O-R-T. Visit his website, lucabeaufort.com to check out some of his art and get your hands on his book, Heart, that we talked about. And if you haven't seen it yet, go watch Devoted, his documentary dedicated to skateboarding media from 2017 on Vimeo. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. (laughs) 